Hi there, I'm Tom D'Antoni, back at World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason for another OMN Coffee Shop Conversation. Today, Stephen Rutledge, a most engaging and entertaining fellow, and a spectacularly prolific writer, is in the chair opposite me here in the cupping room. It's one of those episodes I really like to do, never having met him before, so much so that I asked him a really stupid question right off the bat. <laughs> we hit it off before I started rolling and continued after I shut the recorder off. He writes for an online publication from the vast RuPaul empire of media. Like I say, he's more prolific than anyone has a right to be. We didn't even get the half the stuff I wanted to talk to him about. So let's meet Stephen Rutledge. Welcome to the cupping room. Thanks. It's nice to be here. Thanks for asking me. That's the room we're in here. World Cup Coffee and Tea, Northwest 18th and Gleason, uh, our home for organ music news, coffee shop conversations. I have to say that. I don't mind saying that, though. You know? It's your place to do that. It's fun to say, because I know I'm still working. (laughs) Um, uh, I know you're not a musician. I actually am a musician. I didn't know with, that. With quite a history in music, as a matter wow. of fact. I, um, I, and I, ha- I'm, I always mostly identified as an actor, but I actually got to use my music quite a bit as a, um, as an actor. Really? But I started piano uh, lessons when I was five years old, and I studied piano from five to 17. And I studied different kinds of piano. I, I, my first piano teacher was the piano uh, pianist at our church, uh-huh. um, and she had like thirty students that were grade school kids. Yeah, and I did that and, and uh, learned to read music, which was not hard for me. I feel like I almost could read music from the moment I was born because wow. I had no struggle with it. Um, and I studied with her and did recitals, huh. and uh, was a very very. Um, bombastic child, so I was happy to play at recitals. I liked attention and applause from the get-go. Oh, well, who doesn't? I studied different kinds of piano. At one point, uh, about junior high, I studied, I grew up in Spokane, mm-hmm. and I studied with Margaret Saunders Ott, who's a very, very famous uh, piano teacher, mm-hmm. and a uh, well-known concert pianist, Stephen Drury, mm-hmm. uh, very famous now, specializes in actually 20th century music uh, Reich and Philip Glass and stuff like that. But he had lesson before mine. It was really daunting to sit on her front porch and listen to him. Wow. And I studied with her for about three years, and she finally took me aside and said, uh, you're a good piano player, but you're not a pianist. And Whoa. I think it's time for you to move on. You just don't really have what it takes. Oh, my and God. And she suggested How that old I, were you? Oh, 12. What? 11, 12. <laughs> um, so she actually very gently and generously guided me to a teacher named Arthur Zepp who taught improvisational jazz piano. And I moved over to him and I was very happy and studied with him all through high school. Um, He taught me how to get sheet music from the music store in downtown Spokane, Uh to look at it reading the guitar chords and then to build your own chart Ah. as you played. And I learned to play that way. And that was actually the best fit for me. Then also in the Spokane public schools growing up, the school district 
would uh, send a, some sort of musicologist to all the schools uh-huh. and in third, fourth grade, test the students and then make a, re- a recommendation uh-huh. to the teachers on an instrument that they should play. <laughs> and um, they had recommended to me that I play flute or drums. What? And I went to my parents. <laughs> And my mother was a flautist, and she said, no son of mine is going to play the flute. She thought it was way too girlish. And um, my, they also put a thumbs down for playing drums. So I started on cornet in third grade. Uh-huh. Uh, and in, uh, into fourth grade, I got braces and could no longer oh, play it. Yeah. Uh, so I switched to cello, and I played cello in the sixth grade. And then in, when I entered junior high... The orchestra teacher asked if I would consider switching to string bass because they had no string bass player. So I switched to string bass knowing that I would be first chair with no kind of problem or competition. It was a laziness, actually. (laughs) I took to it really well, and I played string bass. I played uh, in my school orchestra. I played in the All-City Orchestra. I played in the Spokane Junior Symphony, and I played in the Tanglewood Youth uh, all when I was young as a string bass player. And I could have probably been a real actual string bass player uh i could have been fourth chair at the dog patch symphony orchestra <laughs> but i did not have the talent you know to be a really first great good uh, bass player but i did end up playing the bass um a couple of times in shows most fun in a country rockabilly musical called Pump boys and dinettes my character played the bass, and I played the upright bass in that and i watched old footage of the crickets uh-huh and i Aped that bass player whose mm-hmm. name escapes me right now. Slap rockabilly. And I slapped that bass around. Yeah. I actually at one point laid down on it and did a swimming motion. <laughs> and I twirled it around. And I had an incredible amount of fun. I also played the cello uh, when my character, uh, Henrik, in A Little Night Music, plays the cello. <laughs> which was kind of fun because usually the pit orchestra cellist plays and the actor mimes it. Uh-huh. But I actually got to play it. Uh-huh. It was actually... Very difficult for me to learn to sing, act, and play the cello at the same time. Wow. I worked really hard for a long period of time to do it. It was <laughs> not walking and chewing gum for me to sing and play yeah. in character. Wow. So I do have a little bit of a music background wow. from that. And I continued to be a vocalist a lot. I, I was an mm-hmm. actor, but, and I did mostly musicals. Uh-huh. Uh, but I also did some things on the side. I sang with a jazz trio for a, bo- a while, and I played with a rockabilly band for a while in, in the Portland? 80s. In Seattle. Ah. Uh. And I enjoyed it a lot. Um, <laughs> so I have a little bit of a music ground, background. A, a little? <laughs> did you ever do any recording? Um, I never did any recording. I, yeah. I, I studied... Uh, as an adult in my 30s with mm-hmm. um, Jay Clayton, a jazz oh, yeah. musician in sure, Seattle, sure. Um, to learn how to sing with a microphone because oh. I had musical theater training and I sang very loud, very succinctly and hit the back row of a large oh, yeah. uh, auditorium oh, yeah. with ease. And I had a lot of trouble singing with a mic and I studied with her for a couple of years actually mm-hmm. and sang with her jazz trio um, <laughs> a couple of times learning to do that. But I... Um, have not really recorded, and I very rarely have heard my own singing. Um, I was in a production of Side by Side by Sondheim in the 80s, and through the magic of the Facebook, the director of that piece uh, sent me a videotape 
uh, which was kind of rough. It was just a handheld kind of thing of the thing. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, I was pretty amazed at what a good singer I was. You liked it. In my 30s, oh, yeah, good. I loved, actually kind of loved good. the way I sounded. I had a very interesting singing voice, um, and it was fun to hear that. I, I, I was pleased. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That wasn't the first time you'd heard yourself, though. Um, I haven't heard myself very much in my lifetime. Really? No. I have uh, speaking because I've done lots of voiceovers yeah. as an actor, but yeah. in general, I had never really heard myself as a musician. <laughs> very not much, not often. Well, I guess you told me. <laughs> Is that more than you wanted? <laughs> no, not at bite? all. Uh huh. Ah, What was your favorite musical that you were in? Uh, because of the experience or the musical itself, I would say I. I play well. I had two that I really loved. I played Fagin in uh-huh. Oliver, uh-huh. Uh, and I played Horace Vandegilder in Hello Dolly, uh-huh. and both of them were really good productions. I was very happy in both those roles. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't think either of those would be my own personal favorite musical. Oh, but as far as I performing see. in them, both experiences were very, very happy to me. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Wow. Hmm. Well, so w- were you writing all along? You know, I. I I didn't really think of myself as a writer, mm-hmm. and then I did a piece uh, written. Uh, I, I read for a piece for Songbook PDX, a quarterly event here in Portland uh, that Adam Strong hosts and is curated. And, and I, when I was asked to write an introduction, I realized that I actually had been doing some writing my whole life. I huh. I won a poetry contest when I was in third grade, <laughs> and I in junior high school I had a gossip. Did it rhyme? Uh, it did not. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Advanced yeah. for the third grade. Yeah. My, uh, my mother talked about it for years because my teacher called my mother and said, oh, my God, he has real actual talent. <laughs> I was only interested in being a performer, though, so I didn't. But uh-huh. when I was in junior high, I had a gossip column oh. in the school paper. <laughs> and in high school, I did movie reviews uh-huh. for the school paper. So I uh-huh. always did a little bit of writing. Yeah. But I only really started... Um, about five years ago when I got profoundly sick uh-huh. and on the Facebook I started writing about my experience and people were really responding to it and then I just started writing all the time uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. and uh-huh. Um, that's how I started writing. Uh-huh. I didn't have uh-huh. any real training and uh, English was never my favorite subject in school although I was okay at it. Um, but I, uh, in its own way, it's new to me in my 60s. Hmm. Wow. Kind of fun and exciting to have something new, to know that all the doors aren't closed as yeah, I move into yeah, my yeah, declining yeah. years. Yeah. Um, well, I, I suppose. <laughs> because, because... Um, Are you looking for something new? No, well... Yes and Maybe no. Maybe dance. Dance. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to dance. <laughs> Be the fat guy dance. You don't know. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I just, I, I, I'm saying uh, uh, because my com- the computer that we're recording this on uh, decided that it wanted to restart oh. and update. Oh. And I said, no, you're not. Oh, no, I've gone through not. that, too. I've been in the you're middle of writing something yeah. important. Well, anyway, let's get back. Um, you know, writing is, uh, I, you know, um, I, I am uh, of the, I, I agree with the, 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 the writer who said um, 
the pleasure is in having written. <laughs> and, um, and the older I get and the stupider I get, because I was stupid to begin with, and, and so the, 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 the more things I forget, the harder it is to pull up words, the harder it is to write, which makes it even worse, see? Um, but, you know, it, you know it's, uh, it, it, I still enjoy having written, you know? I mean, uh, especially if I write something that's funny, you know? Uh, and because, um, you know, when you were, when you were uh, in, in, uh, in, in junior high uh, doing your things, I was doing Bob Newhart routines for assemblies in junior high <laughs> and finding out what it was like to get laughs. Which is wonderful. It is wonderful. There's nothing like it. <laughs> no, just, it's, it is the very best sound of all. Yeah, 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 yeah. And th- and that's what you know. That's what writers don't don't get. Writers don't get that. They don't re- they don't receive that. That's the worst thing about being a writer, other than the pay. Um, is uh, you, you don't you can say, you can write the funniest thing on earth, and you know that somebody on the other end is laughing, but you can't hear them. You know, you don't get an LOL. No, through the airwaves. No, and it's a, it's the same thing with broadcasting. You know, I, I've I've done lots of really funny things. You know, on the TV and, and radio, and and I know that somebody out there is laughing, but I can't hear them. You know, so um, it's an existential problem I have not solved, nor will I ever, until I actually one day try stand up again, which is something I've been thinking about. Well, we want, we need you to do that then. <laughs> you ever done stand up? I I have not, and it's actually an art form that I am quite enamored of. I watch yeah. stand up specials on Netflix as soon as they come out. Yeah, it's a, a favorite yeah. form of mine, and I am um, rather fearless. I think maybe I could I could do it, give it a try sometime. Um, and every every stand up comedian on earth has a podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought I, I do some of their podcasts. Yeah. Uh, some of them are okay. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried's is one of my favorites. Um, yeah. I did Mark Marin for a long time. But, yeah, I, I no. dropped him. I dropped that too. He had he had Nick Tachis on, and it was the worst interview I'd ever heard with any uh, anybody of Nick Tachis stature. There were so many things I was dying. I was dying. Matter of fact, I got into a fight with him on 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 Twitter about it and, and, and unfriended him. Marin, I mean, yeah. not, not Tachis. Because Tachis is one of my heroes. You know, he was one of the original five rock critics back in the 60s with Chris Gow and Lester Bangs and uh, all those other cats. And, of course, the one who lives here, whose name escapes me. But anyway, uh, Richard, um, whatever his name. So, um, uh, yeah. Let's hope he doesn't hear this. What? Let's hope he doesn't hear this. Uh, yeah. He'll understand. He's old. Um, <laughs> they're all old, you know. Uh, matter of fact, I was, I was thinking about how great it would be to do a, a documentary on because the only guy of, of the original five who's dead is Lester Banks, and he's been dead for decades. You know, uh, to to do a, a documentary on those on, on those remaining guys. But then I thought I would have to get clearances of all those of all those all that music, and then I thought, well, it's not going to happen. That's very hard and <laughs> difficult. Yeah. How long did that guy work on, on, on the Wrecking Crew documentary? Remember yeah. that? And, and Beth Harrington on the Carter Family documentary? I mean, it paid off for her finally. Well, I read about it in feet, uh, when people are making features, too. Yes. When they want a piece of music and, yeah. and the, 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 the negotiations and the yeah. finally dropping it. Even the, and, the, and 
they talk about the song that they end up using their second choice, and that's mm-hmm. pretty interesting. That that stuff. So you write for RuPaul. I, in a, in a sort of a way, I do. As a matter of fact, I, I, I write for the home of RuPaul for uh-huh. for certain. I, I, I work for World of Wonder Productions. World of Wonder. Where did that name come from? It's. I'll have to ask the Randy Barbetto. It's a great name. And Benton Bailey yeah. are the two men that started it, and and I'm it sounds not so sure. Disney. It does. It does sound Disney. World of Wonder. Mm-hmm. It really, it really does for a. Uh, for an organization that is uh, a production company that is decidedly um, naughty. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It is a funny yeah. name for it because it does sound kid-friendly, <laughs> doesn't it? Well, you know, they are most famous for RuPaul's Drag Race, but they do yeah. all kinds of things. I mean, uh-huh. they um, have all kinds of cable television shows, uh-huh. a million-dollar listing is one of them, some real estate shows, uh-huh. a bunch of real estate shows, actually. And, but they also do some really important things. They had a very, very good, well-done uh, documentary about uh, Robert Maplethorpe uh, on HBO two mm-hmm. years ago, and last year they had a really great special that Kate Couric was the host of on gender identity that ran on the National Geographic Network. So they have a bit of a serious side, but they are prolific. Yeah. You're prolific on that, on, on that site. I am prolific. You're I really prolific. prolific. What, two or three pieces a week? Yeah. Oh, no. I do, uh, I do a thousand-word piece every day. Every um, day? Every day. Born wow. this day, 365 days a year. Born this day where I celebrate yeah. uh, somebody fam- usually famous uh, but accomplished that mattered to me. So it's not really a Wikipedia entry, even though it's like on their birthday. It yeah. is more why and how this person matters to me. Uh-huh. And then I do actually I have well, some other regular features. Do they all have to be gay? Um, they don't, as a matter of fact. But they often I often look for the gay slant. Right. Um, and so uh, they don't have to be at all. Uh-huh. But it's really interesting how the people that matter to me, you can find a gay angle uh-huh. uh, in some uh-huh. way. Uh-huh. I yeah. think on occasion I've done just a straight-on appreciation of somebody yeah. and never mentioned it. And I do also get accused from people of making people gay who aren't necessarily gay. <laughs> Shakespeare and Vincent Van Gogh. and, and <laughs> I think. But I always feel like, you know, gay people... I thought you had to be born that way. <laughs> You do, and, but it's also uh, fun to claim people after all the centuries that people who were gay didn't get noticed. I, I often uh, mention in my pieces how people's obituaries in the New York Times somehow conveniently left out their partner of 40 years. Yes. Or they call them uh, the person a confirmed bachelor or... Yes, always confirmed. Yeah. Confirmed. Yeah. yeah. Confirmed. One of my favorite what terms does that mean, of all time. What does that mean? I'm confirmed. I'm just like... It's like when when I, I had my first communion. I got confirmed it as a bachelor. A, <laughs> they by the priest. Yeah, they sprinkle a little holy water by on the you priest. and you're now a bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like practicing homosexual. It's always a, <laughs> right. a great, great term that... I know. I'm working on it. Where do these things come from? Jesus. <laughs> Just have to speak out. Yeah, that's funny. Man. So, um, yeah, I saw one uh, this week on Raymond Burr. I am. I but everybody knows, everybody knows about Raymond Burr. 
Yeah, and I, you know, yeah. I, the slant I did not only because he was gay and closeted yeah, and, and right. all that stuff was interesting, yeah. but I started off that piece by talking about a station here in Portland that yes. does the uh, Perry Mason reruns, which is just one of the things that was most fascinating to me is about right. how his legacy lives on because people still watch those shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they went on forever. The show had 92 episodes, and then right. he did, like, 100 made-for-TV movies. Right. right. And then he had other shows, too. He had Ironside and, right. and some right. other things. I remember, um, and that show is still on, right? So was it Channel 12? Yeah, yeah. on Channel 12. Still yeah. plays. Yeah. Six, six hours a day. Jeez. I remember I was working on a, a, a documentary on assisted suicide. Um, a guy named Robert Schwartz, a gay man who um, allowed me to film everything <laughs> from the day he got the, the medication until through two years until and, and up to and including his death, which we also shot. And, um, and that was one of the things that uh, was a constant in the Robert Schwartz household was that he would watch Perry Mason every day. <laughs> I don't think we made a connection to Raymond Burr, in, 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 as a matter of fact, I know we didn't make a connection to Raymond Burr in that piece because there were so many other things going on, but yeah. uh, it's funny, now that I think about it, yeah. you know? I, in uh, spring of 14, I had my third long stay in the hospital. I had 31 mm -hmm. days mm -hmm. at uh, Good Samaritan, and, um, and I was in isolation because wow. I, at that point, I had everything. I had staff, thrush, Shingles, uh, and I had no white blood cells or and to keep me well. People had to put a hazmat suit to come see me. Oh I'll mention this now because I got hooked on. Um, well, I watched a whole bunch of Frasier reruns, <laughs> which I wouldn't think would be enjoyable, but in mass was even better. When you would watch four or five of them, and you could see the continuity. Uh, of character and, uh -huh. and, and plot line. Uh -huh. But I also watched the show uh, called The Good Wife, which I would have never touched uh, because it was playing in, in syndication and I could watch a whole bunch of episodes. Yeah. And I got really hooked on it because they used all these Broadway people in supporting roles, sometimes just small roles like being a judge. Oh, which I thought must be a good gig for them because sure. they get paid and yeah. they could have their script out on their on their table on their desk, yeah. their, their uh, judge's <laughs> table, and, and just say, you know, legal terms, yeah. and then get a paycheck. But there were all these really, really great, current, yeah. amazing yeah. Broadway people, and that's how I got hooked on that show. So I understand that your friend, when you're sick, that you can get stuck yeah. in a groove yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, watching yeah. something. <laughs> wow. Um, so, uh, and you also do uh, another uh, well, I have a couple piece. of other regular features yeah. on World of Wonder. On Sunday, I have a, a feature called The Art Department, uh -huh. where I take an artist or a piece of art, much small, much shorter than my uh, Born This Day piece uh -huh. um, feature. And then on Saturdays, I do um, a classic Saturday movie, uh, which I, again, talk about a movie, why it matters to me, not uh -huh. so much a history of the movie. Uh -huh. uh, last Saturday, it was The Birds. Oh. Um, but I, and then I also, besides Born This Day, I have a second daily feature every day called Queer Quote, uh -huh. where I do a quote and then a very short uh, piece in the text itself. The quote itself is the headline. Yeah. Uh, and then I do a short kind of wrap-up of what that is about. Uh -huh. um, 
So it's a lot of writing, and it keeps me busy. And I guess, you know, I read a lot of things by writers online about writer's block, but I don't know what is my problem, maybe because I'm newer to it, but I have, like, a writer's diarrhea. <laughs> I have no trouble coming up with that's, something to say that's or good. That's, write. That's good to have. You know, you don't, you, you don't want you don't, you don't, uh, you don't to be uh, um, uh, Barton Fink. Right. You right. do not want to be Barton Fink. Right. Cause, exactly. I don't want that nightmare in my hallway. No. <laughs> I, have a, I have a good friend uh, who's a, a, one of the top investigative reporters in, in the country who refused to watch Barton Fink for decades because it was about writer's block. <laughs> it's contagious. You can even get it from watching movies. So <laughs> I don't blame him. But I don't write fiction. I imagine if I had to write fiction that it would be irksome. I I had uh, uh, in, uh, before I did the assisted suicide documentary. I had got an assignment from. Remember George Magazine? I do indeed. Remember George Magazine? Yeah. Five dollar a word George Magazine. <laughs> I do. So I got an assignment from them to do a, to do the same thing to follow some person throughout his you know journey in the, in the, in the assisted suicide using that law. Ended up not doing that guy, but anyway, I went. I covered an assisted suicide convention in Boston. And it was in an old hotel. And I get off the elevator, and it's got this long hall, old wooden doors. And I walk down the hallway, and I'm going, oh, man. Open the door, and there's a box on the bed. Oh, my God. But there was no woman's head in it. <laughs> but it was like, ah! I'm in Barton Fink. <laughs> <laughs> the, the lighting in that film is amazing. That fluorescent, yeah, yeah, yeah with a yeah. flicker, kind of right. sickening green. <laughs> uh, that was frightening. <laughs> I mean, the whole actually, the whole thing was frightening. But indeed, you know, yeah. it's not like it, it, there weren't a lot of parties. There was not a, not a lot of partying at that convention. You know, <laughs> oh, that's too bad. I, <laughs> yeah. I could get behind it, but well, you know. Um, uh, It'd be fun I, to think I, of what they could serve and the music they could play. At the... Yeah, well, you know, necrophilia means never having to say you're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I find that pretty funny, so I would probably have a lot of fun with it. Um, funny. The funny thing is, I wrote that line in 1970, but I didn't know that I did. I was the publisher of the Underground Paper in Baltimore, and we were weird. We had... We, that story's about boxing, which hippie papers never did. And this one guy um, wrote a piece, this piece about necrophilia. And I remember there was a picture of him naked playing a saxophone on a bed. Strange picture, but anyway. And the, head, the subhead was necrophilia means never having to say you're sorry. And I went through decades quoting that line as something that he wrote. He visited Portland about five years ago, and we're sitting there with the, with all, with the old newspapers, and I, I said, you know, Michael, I've used that line all these years, and, and I've always quoted you. And he said, you wrote that line. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so I've claimed it ever since. It could have been on your business cards for all those been, yes. decades. <laughs> so bad. Well, now you got me thinking when I, this week I'm going to start, I'm going to have to come up with an uh, uh, assisted suicide Playlist. Jeez. Yeah. You know, the one time I was um, 
several times because I love to see my name in print. Uh, <laughs> I, did I see my name in the Oregonia? It was David Stabler, was that his yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the classical music yeah, critic. Yeah, he yeah. had asked for, he did a thing on, uh, mm-hmm. on uh, Britain's Requiem, and at the end of the piece he asked readers to send in uh, what they would like played at their funeral or, or memorial service. And I, of course, immediately did it because I like lists and I yeah, I yeah. like to be noticed. So I sent mine in, and it was one of the ones that was published. But I've thought about it since. I thought about, uh, especially because I came so close to dying myself. Yeah. I I I definitely put some consideration and with the music. Ironically, I don't want a memorial service or a funeral, but I wanted to play the game. Yeah. Or yeah. with his yeah. question, and yeah. so it, it was fun to come. And people's choices were interesting and i liked it a lot yeah yeah well it, it's actually it's a good thing if, if somebody can choose their own music before they die yeah i think it's a wonderful exercise yeah i really yeah, do yeah i had my, my best friend and closest working colleague that i've ever had was a guy we were kind of the, the odd couple we weren't a couple but we lived we, we we shared an apartment he was gay i was not and um we worked together very very closely for two two years every single day never had a crossword uh and he ended up uh, getting aids and um uh, becoming one of the top AIDS journalists in the country after our after our our sports radio show went off the air <laughs> what was his name gary lambert and uh uh and he picked out all the tunes you know, but the, when it came to, and I was I was DJing in clubs at that time, and they asked me to you know to to to, to do the, the the music that he'd already picked. So we get there, and you know, I look at, and the thing was, we both had a, a very very strong feeling for Cinema Paradiso. Matter of fact, I can't watch Cinema Paradiso without crying, from the first frame. You know, and I found out later that that's the, the, the town in Sicily where my people come from, which blew my mind. But anyway, so I said, and plus, he was a, a projectionist. If you remember Cinema Paradiso, the main, one of the main characters was a projectionist, the old man. So I said, oh, no, no, we have to close this with the love theme from Cinema Paradiso. And, of course, it couldn't have been more perfect. That you know? score is yeah. absolutely amazing. Well, Just, I'm... I'm, I'm 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 totally in love with Andy Morricone. I mean, Morricone is my favorite, and I don't care how sappy it sounds. I don't give a fuck how how sappy it sounds. I like it. That was your first, our first fuck, huh? That was our first fuck. Is that right? Yeah, you told me I could use the word, but you got the first one in. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh 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 oh. Okay. For some reason, I thought. No, not my first fuck. That was fifteen. That was a cast party for Peter Pan when I was fifteen. She was 21. Oh. I thought it was, I said, oh, my God, it's so great, but it lasts such a short time. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so what movie are you writing about this week? Um, I haven't chosen Saturday's movie. Oh. Uh, I, yeah. I kind of let it come to me, and it's often something that I see during the week uh-huh. uh, and then really think about. So, that, so I, don't, I, I don't know what it's going to be. And also, sometimes it will be something... Something topical will nudge me towards something. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know. I don't have a preview for you yet. <laughs> it's Tuesday. <laughs> I sometimes don't know um, what, who I'm going to write about when I get up th- that morning for the next day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Often. 
And then sometimes I have to get ahead. I have to go to Spokane every like five or six weeks uh, to help take care of my 88-year-old father. I lost my mother a year ago, and my father uh, doesn't know how to do anything. She, oh. Despite the fact that she worked full-time and made more money than he did, yeah. she ran the business part of the relationship. So he doesn't know oh. how to pay bills or really, oh. really do anything. So I go over and I help him. And when I do that, I write all my posts ahead of time that can go in a queue and they can be scheduled to go live on the website. Uh, and that's yeah, one of yeah, the few times yeah. that I can see a whole week ahead. Otherwise, I kind of like to be inspired the day before. Oh, I, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do my radio show the, the old-fashioned way. I do prepare, but I also bring, you know, a couple hundred CDs and LPs with me. Just... Just to, and I'll just go. Okay, we're gonna do. Uh, we're just gonna make it up now. The rest oh, of the. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah it's really fun. Yeah. It's just, you know one thing I've been doing too is when I do write about somebody, uh-huh. I almost automatically start my research for that day for that person by uh-huh. list by um, trying to find a quote by them either about politics or about the current president uh-huh. if it's somebody that's living, and that's. Then recently, my jumping off point, I'll start the whole thing with a quote or end my, oh, I call it the button yes. at the end of my piece right. with something about the, the president um, and uh, who I never can bring myself to actually use his name in anything I, I write. So I usually yes. say POTUS. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I understand. Um, uh, uh, a, a lot of people do that. Yeah. I was tempted to do it born this day about his wife. She had a birthday recently. Melanie, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Melanie, about Melanie. And I got, I, I got a little discouraged reading it. I was ready to beat my head against the wall, so I walked away from it. Yeah. So whose birthday is it Thursday? I don't know whose birthday it is Thursday. Oh, okay. I had so many people to choose from for tomorrow, um, including Betty Garrett, who was a great uh, Golden Age uh MGM musical uh-huh. star. Uh-huh. Uh, she was almost always in supporting roles, who I actually knew personally. So it's a really good piece when I write it because I knew her. But I'm going with Joan Collins for tomorrow, Dame Joan Collins, because she just seems so right for the audience. Yeah, she's such a she's dame. such a perfect. Yeah, she's such a dame, and she's so perfect <laughs> for fans of drag queens. And uh, and I thought it would be fun to write. So I I, I left my writing to come visit you today. <laughs> But I, the thing I was really kind of latching on to was the great roles that Ryan Murphy's series, American Horror Story, oh. has for older women. He keeps writing oh, right. these great roles yeah. for Jessica Lange yeah. and Kathy Bates yeah. and Angela Bassett. Yeah. So that's kind of my jumping off thing on this piece. As I uh-huh. said, my, my pieces aren't really Wikipedia entries. It's not a history of Joan Collins tomorrow. It's more about what she has meant to me, which for me as a mm-hmm. gay man was dynasty in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. then I'm also doing this angle about uh, older actors finding work, which I think is a, a really, really cool thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And they're not, you know, on that show, they're not playing grandmas or stuff like that. I mean, to see yeah. Jessica Lange as, uh, as Lola singing David Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen that clip, but she sings, I've never seen she that. sings a, a demented version of Life on Mars <laughs> uh, with a thick German accent. I mean, when I watched it originally, I thought, this is really like I'm on acid. It's so <laughs> peculiar. 
But I think it's great that he does that. So anyway, that's how I... Uh, so I don't know who is Thursdays. Uh, and working at home... Because that's when this goes up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> working at home and working on my own... I sometimes lose track of even what day it is. So when you say Thursday, I have to stop for a minute and think about what date that is. Speaking of which, did you write about the Versace series? Uh, just a little bit. Not too much. Um, but I did because I wrote about him uh-huh. uh, on his born this day. So uh-huh. I did touch on it. Uh-huh. Uh, Did you watch it? I watched every minute of it. I thought people were really too hard on it. I thought there was a great deal of skill. And and I don't know about you, but my favorite thing about that was the incredible depth that they went into for these supporting characters. Oh, yeah. uh, That were only incidental to the story. Right. The victims' families. And I thought that was a very interesting way to go. And jumping around in time yeah. was fine with me. Yeah. I it, love the long, yeah. non-linear uh, storytelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of course, I, I loved Twin Peaks The Return, so <laughs> I would like that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, that was, uh, I, I watched every minute of that. It was, it was fascinating, yeah. you know? Um, uh, but they didn't have any older actresses in that one, did they? No, and that was an American Horror Story. It was right. a Ryan Murphy produced right. thing, but right. um, yeah. uh, I thought it was I thought it was better than it even needed to be. Really, I thought it, it yes. could have been a really junky thing and <laughs> you still were been absolutely fun. Absolutely right about that. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, so, uh, so we don't know what to look forward to the rest of the week. No, I'm sorry. I mean, I could whip out my phone and and go. I, I use my the first thing I do in the morning is I look at um, the New York Times site called "On This Day in History," yeah, which lists yeah. births, deaths, and events, uh-huh. and I, I I scroll through that to see if some a name jumps out at me. And I'm in my second year of writing Born This Day, so I'm trying not uh-huh. to repeat myself. Oh, right. There are days when I have five or six really good options, and it's hard for me to choose somebody to write about. Yeah. And there's other days where I have to dig uh, and try and find somebody that yeah. I... Because yeah. I want it... I still want it to be personal. I want it to matter yeah. to me. Yeah. And every day does not necessarily provide me with something. Yeah. But it's fun. I end up discovering interesting things and interesting people yeah. also. Speaking of old movies like that, I just... I had on while I was doing some other stuff. I as I was in and out of it, um, going Hollywood today with Marion Davies and Fifi Dorsey and Bing Crosby. Oh wow! It's great. Wow. What a movie! Yeah, <laughs> I have all kinds of associations for those people. You know, Bing Crosby yeah. is from Spokane, oh, my right. hometown. Right, right. Uh, he was everything I've re- read about him and everyone I know that knew him, including Betty, Betty Garrett who I talked about, who was in high society with him. Uh, I mean, that was, that was the last home. Um, right. But uh, but he was a rather loathsome person. Yeah. Yeah, he was very... People really don't realize how important he was to music. One of the first singers... You know this. One of the right. first singers to learn to use the microphone yep. uh, uh, to his advantage. Yep. Yep. Um, and a good friend of Louis Armstrong. Yeah, yeah. So you I know. think there's, he's a very interesting person. Yeah. And so and Fifi Adorce, I think of right away because she was... I saw her on stage Did in you? Follies. Oh, Steve wow. Steve was on his musical Follies, <laughs> where she only had one number, uh, and they kind of had to prop her up. Uh, to do it, but it was she was really really great, and uh, 
that sounds like a really, really fun movie. Was that on Turner Classic Movies? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. Well, if you turn on my TV, that's the yeah. channel will come up. I will maybe yeah. switch to yeah. something else. Yeah. But. And Marion Davies, of course, who was not anything like Charles Foster Kane's wife. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> she was pretty, she was actually a well-thought-of person. Oh, and yeah. Her story is really interesting. Sure. She's had the Born This Day treatment, and uh, yeah. her story is pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, boy. Um, so let me ask you, what are you, um, what are you listening to these days? What did you listen to in the last 24 hours? Uh, uh, I listened to, um, I'll tell you exactly what I listened to. So you love jazz like, and uh, blues. I love funk and soul. Mm. I like, and, and jazz mm. also. But um, more than anything else, uh, oh, um, huh, where is it? I can't find it. Well, we overlap uh, on the funk and soul thing. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. Uh, um, uh, I listened to. Um, um, I listened to my radio show. I said, "Oh, I, good," because I, I record it, and I I sit at, at at barista, the coffee shop. Sit outside, watch the parade of people going back and going by. Uh, and listen to my radio show like the, the day, day or two after I do it because first of all I know I like everything <laughs> and uh, of course the other day was the, was the one where I had all the um, all the songs that you can uh, laugh and dance to at the same time <laughs> I love that so much I can't wait to go back and and and, and I, what I, kicked you did. It off, I kicked it off with the chicken hop by Billy Bland are you old enough to remember that I do not remember that uh, um, it was an impossible dance to do. You have to. You would have to be an Olympic athlete because you had to go uh, both feet this way, both feet that way, both feet this way, both feet that way. It was very difficult. It was taxing. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I, I probably would recognize it if I saw it. Right. I, I loved uh, Soul Train as a youth. Oh yeah, uh, yeah I would yeah. watch it, and I, I, and I loved the dance. And being not only white but extraordinarily white, yes. I, uh, <laughs> I loved that kind of dancing. Wanted to do it so bad. <laughs> when I write a, um, a piece that, about a composer or a singer, I usually listen to them all day while I'm writing. Just I feel like I'm getting. I'm picking up osmosis. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm picking up on their vibe yeah. when I yeah. did Peggy Lee, when I did right. Joni Mitchell. I, you know, I just listened to them all day mm-hmm. uh, to get ready for it. And then while mm-hmm. I was uh, doing that, and, um, and sometimes I'll do it with soundtracks too. Um, but uh, that is a lot of what I end up listening to. Yeah. And I also um, was diagnosed about six weeks ago with Meniere's disease, which is not oh, a disease at all. Right. It's a condition of the inner ear. Right. And I right. probably, although my specialist yeah. um, says that it could never happen in my lifetime or it could happen in a year that I'll lose my hearing. Right. But I've been purposely, for the first time in a long time, taking a time of the day to actually lie down with earphones, I have really nice earphones, yeah. uh, and listen to music. And by listen, I mean not just on while I'm doing stuff. I close my eyes, 
and really actually listen. And I love it when mm-hmm. when I do that because you can hear your fingers on frets. You can hear breaths. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I've really been enjoying it. But I also had promised myself that I would listen to music that I normally wouldn't listen to or genres uh, that I don't really know. Uh-huh. And the other day, I ended up spending uh, an hour listening to French hip-hop. <laughs> and I was just enamored of this artist called MC Solar, uh-huh. who his music was so beautiful. And even the most hard-edged hip-hop mm-hmm. sounds so much different in French. Than in English, I was really, really enjoying it. But yeah, I, I've been yeah. challenging myself to listen to some things uh-huh. that I wouldn't normally listen uh-huh. to. Uh-huh. Um, I, I like. I, I'm kind of a musical slut, and so I listen. <laughs> uh, my own record, my own music collection is, is pretty varied. Um, but there's things that I don't care for. I'm not really big on choral music, uh-huh. and I'm not real crazy about actually most symphonic music. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not real big on opera. Although I've heard a lot of symphonic music and have played symphonic music, and I've seen more operas than most people that don't care for them go for. <laughs> uh, and although those aren't the genres I'm listening to, I've been having some fun listening to world music uh-huh. uh, and some other things that I, uh, yeah. uh, I, I, I haven't heard in a long time. Somebody you probably like, I spent a day recently listening to Irma Thomas. Irma Thomas. And I just thought mm. that was just I was a all jazz, that. I was at Jazz Fest one year. And uh, it was the year after Katrina. And uh, it wasn't as well populated uh, Jazz Fest as it usually is. And she starts singing, It's Raining, and it started to rain. Oh, my. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Now, I, um, I have New Orleans in my heart. Anything, I like anything New Orleans, anything. Anything New Orleans. Especially R&B and soul, but... Traditional jazz, I love that. You know, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there's 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 a long explanation for that, which I, I won't go into. But um, yeah, any any anything New Orleans, I'm just I, I, you know, I that's what not, made me. That's what made me stop writing obituaries oh. when when Alan Toussaint died. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I I like that. I I I feel like I don't. I, one of the genres I don't like a whole lot is really esoteric instrumental jazz. Mm. I'm absolutely crazy about jazz vocalists. Yeah. For me, it's usually about the song, and that's maybe why I don't go for uh-huh. symphonic music or instrumental yeah. jazz. Yeah. Um, but there's all, all kinds of things that... Uh, jazz is a pretty big umbrella. Right. Uh, Especially at KMHD, which is one of the really nice things that uh, has happened to that station since Matt Flieger came on as program director. Because uh, it's a very, very big umbrella on that station. Used to be, <laughs> used to be, KMHD was just like, you know, uh, for old, old, old farts, you know. Um, old fart radio. Really? Coming or, to or, you. Moldy figs. Remember <laughs> they, they, they used, people who, who, who were stuck in a particular genre of jazz, they used to be called moldy figs. <laughs> And I'll never forget the night. I was the first person to play soul music um, on KMHD. I had a four-hour shift on Saturday nights. And uh, I was first, first two hours was jazz, and then the second two hours I played soul music. And I didn't ask anybody about it because pretty much nobody was running the station at the time. <laughs> it was before OPB took it uh, to operate it. 
And I put on, I guess it was the chai lights, and the phone started ringing, and you'd have thought I had killed Jesus. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but, you know, it didn't stop me. No, you no. Know, uh, and, and you probably won over some listeners. Somebody oh, yeah. heard something that oh, hooked yeah, them, yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. what happens. And now there's, there's five or six soul music shows on KMHD. You know, they do world, world music. They've got, they've got everything over there. It's, it's, a, it's a great. It's really, it's I'll really, be a better really, listener. Uh, when I was growing up, my parents, I, I, I was lucky my parents loved music, and they had a really big LP collection, which I'm actually going to be inheriting, um, which will be fun. I don't have a turntable, oh. so I've been looking around yeah. at them, thinking about how much fun yeah. it's going to be yeah. when I can hear that crackling sound when the stylus oh, hits yeah. the record. Yeah. But my parents had um, mostly... Um, Broadway shows, which, of course, had a huge influence on me. But they also had um, the pop music from that era that has also really stuck with me. And I think about it, because I think I read you saying something like that one, Zonia, you don't go for much of standards. And uh, that was completely my thing. And my favorites as a little kid were um, uh, Dinah Washington, Nat King Cole, Uh Peggy Uh Lee... Uh, Tony Bennett, Frank Sinatra. Yeah. And that's still really very much um, the deepest heart of me music-wise. One thing I have never, I mean, I've never delved into it, and I've never read any stories or or really any books, although they they may exist, I'm sure they exist, about gay iconography and, and culture, especially music. Why Judy Garland? Why, why Cher? Why musicals? Yeah. You know, I mean, well, I, that's I, what I write about. I write about it a lot. I know, so. but I'd like to know the answer. Yeah, I mean, why that is? I think you it's know? probably because uh, gay people have really good taste and th- things. <laughs> I wish that was actually true. <laughs> I remember the first time I went to a gay party and they were listening to ACDC, <laughs> yeah. and I thought, oh my god, well, it's not all Diana Ross. You really called Cher good taste, right? Just not, didn't you? <laughs> I know, I know. I love her because she's not good taste. And, well, you know, I think the gay people tend to like the outrageous too. But, oh, right, uh, and, right, and, it's, right. And, and it's fun. And, <laughs> but I, oh, I, but I, you I, know, I listened to, uh, when I was writing about Sharon. I was listening to her. I heard um, her singing "Bang Bang," mm-hmm. and I thought this song is extraordinary in its stru- structure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, it's so simple and it's so. I mean, it sounds like. It could be Lana Del Rey yeah. today. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I was really, really struck by uh, the song itself, which happens to me sometimes. I'd like to know, and I've never, I've never heard anybody ask her this, uh, since I'm like, totally in the, in the New Orleans stuff, what effect Harold Batiste and Dr. John and, and Earl Palmer and those guys who moved from New Orleans to L.A. and became her band and her producers, what lasting effect that may, might have on her? That's a really good article. You Are know? you going to do it or am I going to do it? You do it. Okay. All right. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on that. Yeah. I mean, Dr. John's still alive. Yeah. Love him. Harold Batista is, is, is no longer alive. Uh, and, of course, Earl Palmer is no longer alive, unfortunately. I, got the only two, I only got two autographs of my whole life. One was Earl Palmer and the other was uh, Earl Hines. Father Hines. Nice. Uh, I've not been to New Orleans, and oh. uh, I, I would really like to go because I also like that music. Music I like Zydeco. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, you know, there's, there's, a, you know, there's a Mardi Gras crew here, you know, the Misty Crew of Nimbus. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, there's a great Mardi Gras ball every year. We'll have to check that out. Oh, you should go. You'd have a, you'd have a, you'd have a lot of fun. Yeah, they, let, they let geezers in? Fuck yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> I will it's check mostly, that out. It's mostly geezers. What <laughs> are they talking about? <laughs> I think I would enjoy that a lot. I like the spirit of it, and I sure like the... I have a gr- I have two amazing coffee table books on uh-huh. on New Orleans. One, the gardens of the Garden District, and the oh, other yeah. one about the yeah. architecture in the city. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah, love it. And of yeah. course, what happened was heartbreaking. Of to watch course. it unfold live on television right. was just yeah. unbelievable yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, now there's a guy who lives here um, named Reggie Houston. He's a saxophone player who was the who was the Fats Domino's baritone player for 20 years, and he's a good friend of mine. And when Fats died. Uh, uh, after a period of period of mourning, I had him come in here and talk about Fats and how it was what it was like to be in the Fats Domino's band for twenty years. Great, amazing, wow. amazing oral history. Um, I admire the Marcellus family. Sure, and uh, sure. And, I mean, and in modern times, uh, you know, even like Harry Connick Jr. and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and Dr. John, who I love, has yeah. recorded duets with some of my favorite people oh, sure. like Ricky B. Jones yep. and uh, yep. Yep. so I like yep. him doing that too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep I, I got like that rolling piano sound sure. very very much yeah I got to I got to interview Alan Toussaint um, a, a couple of months before he played at the Blues Festival which was about six months before he died it was a very unexpected and he was it was he wasn't he wasn't ill or anything mm-hmm. speaking of which I think you're friends with him but I, I'm very good friends uh, with people, I don't know if they want to be identified. I call so I call them the Jays. <laughs> they both have names start with J, and they're big sponsors of the Blues Festival in major ways. Uh-huh. Um, and they, uh, I went to an event at their house to mm-hmm. hear an incredible local blues player mm-hmm. that they heard originally at the festival mm-hmm. named Lady Cat. Oh uh, sure. And sure, sure, sure. they uh, have a, uh, a a loft space, and they gave a little in home concert for uh-huh. her. It was mm-hmm. extraordinary. But I ended up. In the coat room area, uh, <laughs> talking to Curtis Saldago, yeah. uh, who I've seen reading about you that you have some sort of acquaintance with. And, yeah, we, we, and, we've had much fun in here. And I just loved our, our short exchange. I just, it was sure. really, really sure. meaningful to me because I really like him a great deal. Yeah, she's, uh, uh, she's always at the Blues Festival. Um, she hasn't always played because sometimes she's just in the, in the Louisiana Pavilion where we have the Oregon Music News booth. And so I got to know her a little bit th- that way. Yeah. She did. We're talking about Lady Cat? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, her set was just incredible. And she did a cover of one of my favorite songs, uh, Creep, by Radiohead, oh, mm-hmm. that just literally uh, floored me. I was in tears. It was just so oh. extraordinary. So you're going to do any more singing? I don't know. I don't even know what it would sound like. I haven't, I haven't opened my mouth uh, since uh, I got sick, um, so it will be really interesting. You should turn your phone on and just try it yeah, once. Yeah, I should. I should see what it's like. I don't see know. what it's like. You know, nobody else, nobody yeah. else has to hear it. I don't, it's going to be very, very different than when I was young because I have uh, smoked a lot of marijuana and had drank a lot of whiskey, Well, so it may be a really interesting sound. I think I'm uh, probably much closer to Tom Waits than I am... Uh, <laughs> 
uh, John Rayet. <laughs> could, be, could, be, could be worse. Yeah. Could yeah. be worse. I'm, you know. I'm a fan. <laughs> well, listen, thank you for coming in. We could go on forever thank you. here. I know we could go on forever, and I'm really, really honored that you asked me the fact that I'm not really a musician and that oh, you wanted geez. to speak to it's me okay. today and that Bookman <laughs> treat me to a cup of coffee was very, very nice, and I enjoyed it a lot. And we'll have the... Uh, we'll you have... rock a hat, by the way. I, oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. It's, I interviewed Leon Redbone one time. Uh, and he said, a man's not dressed unless he has a nice hat. <laughs> I'm with him on that. I'm self-conscious about my, uh, where I had brain surgery. Uh-huh. Right here. You, the people listening won't know what that means. Right. So I started wearing a hat. Yeah. Uh, now I don't care so much if people see it. Uh-huh. But I'm, I've got about 30 hats now. Good. So it's become a signature thing, too. So I, I hope you'll allow me to see, use your I, trademark. I have, uh, I get all my hats at... Meyer, the Hatter in New Orleans. See what it says oh on my the, God, the that's label so in there? Cool. Like, like hell, hell, it's yours. <laughs> that's going to be my catchphrase. But thank you very much for asking me. Right. It was nice to chat with you. Okay. I enjoy uh, uh, all the things I've read about you lately. So it's fun to meet you in person. And we'll have we'll, we'll have a link to uh, uh, Wow World of Wonder. Wonder. I can't say that without without saying it that way. World of Wonder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know that's not what it what's supposed to sound like. You know, I'm gonna have to. I, I've read the history uh, of the of the company, so I'll have to get back to you what exactly it means. I like to say I like to say it, and I like to write it. So, all right, all right. thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks.